This Women's History Month of Womanica is sponsored by LinkedIn. Let's talk about what's professional today. On LinkedIn, important conversations are happening around what it means to be a professional. Right now, LinkedIn members are talking about things like needing more flexibility around where we work, how we work, and even taking time away from work to focus on family or mental health. Because those things should not stunt career development and growth. Instead, they should enhance it as we show up on our own terms. Professional is ours to define. And your authentic self is your professional self. Post your truth. Show the world the authentic professional you and join the conversations redefining professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn, welcome professionals. Hi from Wonder Media Network. I'm Kate Kelly and this is Womanica. This month we're talking about innovators. These are women who help shape the world we live in, from inventors to thinkers, whose decisions to explore new paths led us to where we are today. This episode is part of a crossover season with Ordinary Equality. You can head over to that show's feed and hear a longer version of today's episode and an interview with Dr. Cajonde Horn-Miller. Today we're talking about one of the most influential political figures of the American Revolution. She was a Mohawk leader whose power was recognized both by the Haudenosaunee Confederacy and colonial leaders, even though the framers of the U.S. Constitution tried to write women like her out of their vision for this country. Please welcome Molly Brandt. Molly was born around 1736 in an area by Lake Erie, encompassing what we now know as present-day Ohio. Her parents were Christian Mohawks from Canajoharie. Molly's father died when she was young, and her mother remarried a man named Nika Sprant. Little is known about her childhood, but growing up, Molly was likely educated in an English mission school. When Molly became an adult, in Mohawk custom, she took another name, Dagunwadunti, or she against whom rival forces contend. The Mohawks were one of the six nations of the Iroquois Confederacy. Iroquois itself was a French name. They called themselves the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, or People of the Longhouse. The individual nations imagined their form of governance like a traditional longhouse, where each tribe had its own door, but were ultimately joined together as a family under one single roof. They were brought together by the great law of peace, which valued law, society, and nature, and was the first federal constitution on the American continent, established hundreds of years before settlers arrived on these shores. Molly was not only a member of the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, but an important figure in its politics. Each nation maintained its own council, headed by a peace chief and a female counterpart, a clan mother or matron, these leaders were in charge of each nation's internal affairs, as well as the issues of the Confederacy at large. Women like Molly were important to the function of the Confederacy. They had equal representation at tribal councils, made consensus decisions with the group, and were directly recognized by about one-fourth of the Great Law's clauses. Clan mothers in particular held a final say on peace chiefs' actions. If a chief made a decision a clan mother disapproved of, 
the clan mothers could decide to take his chieftainship away by removing his crown of antlers, literally dehorning him. Molly herself became a clan mother. In 1754, when she was around 18 years old, she went with her stepfather and a delegation of Mohawk elders to Philadelphia to discuss fraudulent land sales with colonial leaders. She was politically powerful and fluent in both Mohawk and English. In 1759, she became romantically involved with Sir William Johnson, British Superintendent of Indian Affairs for the Northern Colonies and one of the most influential men in North America during the 18th century. Their union was also strategic. It joined two powerful figures in the aftermath of the French and Indian War. They had eight children together. Throughout her life, Molly continued to wear traditional Mohawk clothing and speak Mohawk, and she taught her children to do the same. Molly and William often organized councils between colonial and native leaders. When William died in 1774, Molly continued to engage in politics. After the Declaration of Independence was issued, other members of the Haudenosaunee Confederacy pushed to remain neutral between the British and the Americans, but Molly resolutely sided with the British. She asked what Americans had ever done for the Confederacy other than steal their land. In the end, she convinced five of the six nations in the Confederacy to support the British. During the war, Molly sheltered, fed, and supplied loyalists, but advancing patriots forced her to flee to Fort Niagara. At the end of the war, the Treaty of Paris made no provisions for the Haudenosaunee. Little is known about the later years of Molly's life. After the war, she settled in Kingston, Canada, on a military pension for her wartime service. She remained pro-British and pro-Haudenosaunee for the rest of her life. She died on April 16, 1796, about 60 years old, in Upper Canada. Today, Molly isn't a widely known figure, but she and other women like her were important influences in shaping the trajectory of future political agreements in the USA. When the framers created the US Constitution in 1787, they had doubtlessly come into contact with powerful native leaders like Molly and seen the role women held in governments like the Haudenosaunee Confederacy. Yet, when they wrote We the People in the Constitution, they included only white, land-owning men like themselves, just 5% of the population at the time. Molly was an innovator for her navigation of colonial and native leadership, as well as her role as a clan mother during tense years of colonization and war. For more information and pictures of some of the work we're talking about today, find us on Facebook and Instagram at Womanica Podcast. For more information on Molly Brandt and the ERA, buy my book, Ordinary Equality. Talk to you tomorrow.